Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 4-3 podcast. It has been a long time, but I am still alongside Parker Don and Dominic Stern. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. Uh, I'm tired of listening to your voice, but I'm doing <laughs> fantastic. Dom, I certainly do not miss you, but I see you in less than a month, so we'll have to get used to each other once again. Right. So... We have a lot to talk about as the NFL has had their extensions come and go, especially with franchise tags. And then, of course, we're going to have to get into, the, into bubble talk and what's going on with the NBA. But first off, let's start out with some extensions that came through before the franchise deadline on July 15th. And the first one, I'm wearing his jersey just because I have to, Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to let you two talk about this first before I get into it. So whichever one of you want to go first, go right ahead. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, I'll jump in. I think the the contract makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, he's an incredible talent. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks uh, for his first three seasons that we've ever seen in league history. He's put up absolute monstrous numbers. So it makes sense because when you look at it right off the bat, uh, he still has two years left on his rookie contract before it actually kicks in because obviously people want to get caught up in the number 503 million potentially should he get all the incentives that go with it and all the guaranteed money. But it makes sense because although I do think that the NFL has explored options, they're looking for the cap to decrease up to 40 million next year. And that's going to be a really sticky scenario. It won't matter for his contract because like I said, he has two years left of his rookie contract. But once those years do kick in, it's going to make so much sense because the quarterback market, once the cap bounces back, like we should expect two or three years down the road and it gets back to increasing, he's going to be making what's going to seem like little amount of money for what he's worth. His value is extremely high right now. And the quarterback market, say five years down the road, is going to make him look like he's underpaid. So it is a really smart contract completely makes sense. And you have to give it to uh, the chiefs for making it happen the way that they did. Right. The only concern I have with this is that it's a 10 year contract. And although Patrick Mahomes is by far the best quarterback right now, you always got to wonder what's it going to look like in seven years. And that's always the case when you sign these huge contracts. And the, the prior history of 10-year contracts in the NFL haven't been great. I mean, Michael Vick, he got arrested, obviously. You know, he was still good when he came back, but definitely nowhere near where Michael Vick was pre-dog. Uh, <laughs> you, also have, you also have Donovan McNabb, another guy who just wasn't very good after that. And then Drew Bledsoe. You know, the, the history of this isn't very good. But Patrick Mahomes is very young. He's very talented. It's hard to fault the Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes for doing this. So, you know, you're, the future's bright for your for your football franchise. Whether they're still named the Chiefs in the future, we'll see. First off, I'm going to address your first comment, your last comment, I should say. The Chiefs will not change their name at all. There's no hey, way that's happening. You never know. But I don't think that will happen. There, there was an art. I know this is uh, this is not football, really. There's an article in the, in the Union Tribune here in San Diego that uh, – it was an opinionated piece. It was talking about how the Padres should at least consider a name change because of the way that uh, the, the Padres mistreated Native Americans. And I said, ah, you know, it makes sense. You know, it's just all consideration at this point, especially the Redskins and the Indians now, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Yes, we, we will get into that later. But here I go as a Chiefs fan. 
this deal makes so much sense. Let me just tell you guys this one thing. In first NFL history, first 32 career games, Patrick Mahomes and Dan Marino are tied for the NFL history in first at 76. And Dom, put your headset back on. <laughs> okay. Uh, but funny. here's the other thing. He's a Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, NFL MVP, two-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro, 50 touchdowns in one season, first quarterback ever with three comebacks, three comeback victories with more than 10 points in postseason history, and he's only 24. When this contract is over, Mahomes will be 36. People are acting like he's going to be, like, older than Brady. He's going to be 36. So you could also sign a mini-extension after that, too. You just never know. But – Here's the thing that I love about this deal. What people don't seem to realize, they don't actually look at the numbers. It's a really a team-friendly deal for one main reason. Most of his money is coming in roster bonuses. And what the Chiefs can do is tell him, hey, let's convert it to a signing bonus, and that cuts the cap. Like, for example, we'll get into this guy next, but Chris Jones. Next year, he has a cap hit of 21.2 but that's from a $20 million roster bonus. So if you switch that to signing bonus, his cap hit goes down to 8.2. So that's what makes it extremely team-friendly is that you have the ability to just cut it by making it a signing bonus. As Parker said, through three seasons, he's one of the best quarterbacks ever. He's, he's, the, most, he's the best quarterback in the league right now. He has the chance to become one of the all-time greats and could potentially, potentially – become arguably the greatest of all time. Nowhere close to that yet, but there's that potential. But seeing this deal, it made me so happy because you knew the Chiefs wanted to lock him up. And I know the history of 10-year contracts is not anywhere bright or anywhere good. but Anywhere remotely decent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Point there. But Mahomes is different. Mahomes is – the most talented out of the names that you brought up with Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb, Drew Bledsoe. Mahomes is different. Still I different. am so excited to see him for the next 12 years. And also, I love how Brett Veach did it to where his cap it this year is $2.8 million because it's the fourth year of his rookie contract. It just tacks on at the end. So he's going to be 36 because you add those two years left. So I'm just excited for the Chiefs and everything that's going on. Tremendous offseason. And like Mahomes said, he is looking to get at least six rings. So watch out. He is How going fun. to dynasty. If you actually think that that's going to happen over this contract, you, you're kind of nuts. The odds are not in your favor. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'm not saying over this contract. I'm saying over his, over his career. All right. Time. Yes. Because because Brady, but, even know. though he has six rings, there there's a big gap in between the yeah, rings. You know, sure. you gotta so, yeah, gotta pump the brakes. But, but, oh no, <laughs> never saying that that was going to happen in this contract. Right. Okay. As long I as you're aware. As long as you're aware. I definitely will <laughs> have five, six rings for sure. Right now, let's talk about the other Chiefs so we can get off yeah. this Chief <laughs> Chief fan. Oh, right. oh, I'm, I'm having fun. Let's get over to Chris. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you are. Right. Hey, <laughs> any, anyone but the Chargers? Anyone but the Chargers? Touched. <laughs> On Mahomes and his mega deal, I also want to say he's worth every penny. I don't think there's any argument against it. And, Parker, I love what you said, how it's going to look like he's underpaid in the next five years. 
because that's exactly what it's going to look like if the market keeps rising like it is right now. So that was, a, that was actually a comment I was going to bring up until you were smart enough to say it. So moving on to the other chief. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go to Chris Jones. Again, I'm going to let you two talk first before I say anything. So you two go ahead on the contract extension for Chris Jones. Okay. Well, it's just like Mahomes' contract where it just makes all the sense in the world. I think Chris Jones has established himself as the second best interior defensive lineman behind only Aaron Donald, who is in a whole nother category of his own. But Chris Jones is unbelievable talent. The impact that we saw from him when he did return for that postseason run was huge for the Chiefs because their defense definitely stepped up from the previous year. But without him, it would have been much more difficult. He carried a huge load for that team, knocking passes out of the air left and right. He is a force to be reckoned with interior-wise. If you don't have a double team on him, there's a good chance he's going to get to your quarterback. And I think that he's worth every single dime that he's going to be paid because I just thought it was so masterful that the way the Veach and the Chiefs have been able to maneuver around how they're going to allocate their money for these contracts to allow them to keep these guys because, I mean, it's just incredible because once we saw this historic contract from Mahomes, the largest and major North American sports history, I'm just thinking, how are they going to keep these other role players around him or not necessarily around him? Obviously, he's on the defensive side, but a guy that's going to help him. And they were able to find a way to make it happen with the way that they were pushing money towards certain years of his contract. And I think that he's worth it. He's an incredible player, and I think it was really big because I felt like they had to make it happen, and there were a lot of rumors that he was going to hold out should he not get an extension. So I think that that was an unnecessary distraction that the Chiefs were able to avoid by getting him uh, that contract. Right. Uh, you, you hit on both the points I was going to bring up. One, that he's just – he's the second-best interior pass rusher, only behind my Aaron Donald. But, you know, this isn't about Aaron Donald, the greatest interior pass rusher of all time. It's not about <laughs> him, but – uh, bandwagon Rams fan. You are a I'm not bandwagon. I'm not a bandwagon. <laughs> I am. I'm not a diehard. I'm also not lifelong, but I'm not a bandwagon. Bandwagon is the wrong word. Okay. Just gonna throw it out there. That was, that was an attack. You've attacked hey, that was, that was, times on the Zoom. That was an that attack. Was a attack. Assault. Uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, I'm not even gonna talk about how good Chris Jones is and how well the Chiefs uh, maneuvered the cap. Because you don't deserve to hear the, you don't deserve <laughs> yeah. to hear the positive remarks about your team from my voice. After that, <laughs> you, you can go ahead and say it. I'm gonna take off my headset again, so I don't have to listen to you. Okay, I'm still gonna talk. Still gonna talk. So I just want to say this before I get in to the Chris Jones deal. Is what a magnificent job Brett Veach has done. Just let me list a couple things that he and the front office have done since the Super Bowl victory. Restructure Sammy Watkins to keep him around. Add Edwards Hilaire in the first round. Extend Mahomes. Extend Chris Jones. Have 20 of 22 starters from the Super Bowl returning. Entire coaching staff still intact. Five of their top six rushers are still there. Eight of the top nine receivers are still there. And six of the top seven offensive linemen are there. This team is ridiculous. And the fact that Brett Feach maneuvered the cap and to do this is ridiculous, and it proves how he is one of the best executives in the league and how he has just become such a big piece to the Chiefs franchise because he has just kept the biggest pieces around. Now, for Chris Jones, I love the deal. I expected actually a five-year deal, 
more than a four-year deal, but I don't mind a four-year deal at all with him. Chris Jones has 33 career sacks in four seasons. He has been terrific. As you both have said, second-best interior defensive lineman in the entire NFL. Interior pass rusher. Interior pass rusher. Okay, there. Interior pass rusher. Only behind Aaron Donald, who's just a freak of nature. Like, he's ridiculous, but we're not talking about him. I'm not going to give Dom the satisfaction. But Chris Jones is honestly a key part to the defense. He and Frank Clark are the heart and soul of that defensive line and of the front seven because the linebacker core is not as strong as, it, as I'd like for, for it to be. But Sack Nation is back, and I'm extremely happy to see him come back. I know that the rumors about him holding out were true, but Chris Jones has loved being in Kansas City since he was drafted. He wanted to stay here. And I told Dom at the very beginning of the school year last year that the Chiefs were going to get him re-signed. I said it was going to be easier than it was, but I was still right. The deal was going to get done, and I'm just happy that he's back. But yeah. this entire thing, this entire offseason has just proved how incredible of a general manager the Chiefs have and with everything that they've done and how they are just scary for years to come. And yet they still have money to sign some of their big players that come up with Tyree Kill, Tyran Matthew, Mitchell Schwartz, Travis Kelsey – Still have money to sign that because of the flexibility with both Mahomes' contract and Chris Jones' contract where you can convert roster bonuses to signing bonuses to cut the cap. So that's huge for them. And I'm just so happy to have both of them locked up for a long time. Now, moving on to the last extension. It is not a Chiefs extension, so you guys are welcome. It's going to be Derrick Henry, who got a four-year $50 million extension from the Titans right as the deadline hit on July 15th. What do you guys think about this extension for the Titans and for Derrick Henry? I'll start this one first as I am the CEO. I mean, as I'm the COO of uh, running backs don't matter. Uh, the CEO is John Stern and the CFO is Theo Ash. Uh, <laughs> Correct. Shout out Theo Ash if you're listening to this. Uh, but I thought the Titans and Derrick Henry both got a fair deal here because Derrick Henry has been one of the best running backs in all the NFL. Now, of course, their offensive line is very good, and it's going to be interesting to see how they play this year. I think they lost uh, Will Compton to free agency. Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin. I knew they lost one of the guys. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if that impacts Derrick Henry. I imagine it will in some instance, but they still have a very solid offensive line. So it's going to be interesting to see about that. But they're only paying him just north of $12 million a year, and only two of the years are guaranteed. So they're not locked in very long if Derrick Henry falls off like most running backs do after their first contract. So I think that Derrick Henry's getting some money and the Titans are also securing one of the better players and they're also not spending too much money. So I think it's a very fair deal for both sides. Yeah. I mean, running backs don't have nearly as much value as other positions on the football field do. But at the end of the day, it is nice to have, one of the best ones because I think that this is another one of those instances where I think Christian McCaffrey has established himself as that number one back in the league. And then there's Henry right behind him. And the way that I look at it is, although he has had the luxury of having one of the better O lines in the league and he has had improved quarterback play from Tannehill, which completely opened up the run game in a, the biggest way that it has during his tenure with the Titans. I do think that it is nice to have a guy like that because although 
there's plenty of running backs that you can draft late in the draft any given year and they'll go out and put some pretty good numbers up it really depends on what's around them more than anything but I feel like you have to at least give him some credit for the fact that he's just he's bigger than any other back he's 6'2 240 he made Mark Ingram look miniature on the football field back when he was with Alabama and he falls forward every single time he gets past the line of scrimmage he gets you those extra yards that other backs aren't going to get you and although he's not elusive and he's not going to juke you out of your socks, he's going to just bulldoze right through you. He's got a nasty stiff arm. I think that although running backs don't have huge value and paying them a large sum of money isn't very wise of a team to do, especially being that there's history of backs who don't live up to those big contracts, I do think that he's one of those examples that might deviate from that just enough for it to be good on both sides, like Dom said. I have one worry with this deal, and I think it's that his production might go down because how big his his carry is. He led that offense. He he put the entire offense on his back during their playoff run, and he was the reason they made it that far. So I'm just afraid if they keep giving him that workload, his production may go down. But I think it's a terrific deal because it's not like you're paying him $16, 17000000 million. Like Dom said, it's just north of twelve. And I think the other thing is that there's an opt-out after two years, which I think is very nice for the Titans to have in case his production does go down. But he's a key part of that offense. Like you said, Berger, he will just bulldoze through anyone. He'll run through you. He's hard to take down. So he's one of the best running backs in the league because of how strong he is. And hopefully his workload does not lead to him having to start struggling and his production go down. But you never know. As Dom can attest to Todd Gurley and what happened with him. But I like the deal. I think it's a good deal for both sides. Just hopefully they don't overwork him to where he falls apart. Now that we've talked about extensions, let's just go on to other franchise players who did not get a deal done. And we're going to start off with Parker's guy, Justin Simmons of the Broncos. So, if Parker, if you want to start, go right ahead. Yeah, this was a deal that. I wasn't like completely surprised. Like when I found out it didn't end up happening, I wasn't, you know, in a state of shock where I thought, Oh, I had seen all these rumors. It was going to happen. All these trustworthy opinions around the league. So that wasn't what happened with this scenario. But I do think that ultimately the plan with this in place is for him to play on that franchise tender for the $11.44 million that he's going to be making so that he can prove himself one more year and see what he's worth because I think the biggest decision thing with John Elway is he wanted to wait because the salary cap is expected to decrease next year. So they don't want to give him a huge contract right now and make him one of the top three highest paid safeties with that uncertainty as far as how much of an impact the cap is going to have and how much that contract truly is worth when it stacks up against other ones. But I have to say I am a little frustrated because I feel like although that is going to happen with the cap, it seems pretty inevitable. I think that he's a guy that's proved himself because take away last season, he's still been extremely productive since he joined the team. I mean, he was a rookie coming into the no fly zone secondary and he was still able to get on the field. That's a huge testament to the kind of player he is. And I think that his numbers back it up. And I really feel like it would have been smarter because as soon as he's an unrestricted free agent 
and assuming he has at least similar numbers to the ones that he had this season or most recent season, I think that the market's going to be huge and so many teams are going to be in on him. And I think that the bidding war could end up being so much worse than Denver uh, sees it coming out to be. So I think it was a mistake not extending him. We're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out, I guess. I think they should have got it done. I don't understand the whole process of waiting on these guys. Like, you know, you, you mentioned the cap, but if he plays really well this year, guess what? He just became more expensive. Now, sure, there's let's play devil's advocate. If he doesn't play as well this year, then, you know, you may save some money or you can just let him walk and get someone else because Denver's been really good at getting good guys in the secondary. But – I would have just locked him up. I mean, Simmons has been one of the best safeties ever since he entered the league. See, top five, maybe not, but he he's right around there. He's in that discussion. I would have just locked him up. Personally, I agree with both of you. They should have locked him up. And what Elway said was that he wanted to get a deal done. At the I mean, he's just going to say that. Yeah, but, but yeah, both but sides. He also it's like asking a GM if they want to win. Yeah, our goal is to win. <laughs> Okay, Dom. <laughs> you know Sorry. I'm right. You know I'm right. No, no. Going, going off of what Ryan said, though, that is true. Yeah, both sides said they wanted to get a, a deal done, but it just didn't happen, unfortunately. But Elway is still adamant on he wants to keep him long term. So I expect a deal to get done after this upcoming season. It may end up hurting the Broncos because they might have to pay more. But Simmons is really good. I really like Simmons. I think he's he's definitely in that – argument for top five safeties in the league. So I expect another big season from him. But moving on to another star defensive player, Shaquille Barrett of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Whoever wants to start, go right ahead. I'll start. So I think tagging him and not extending him is actually a really good idea because I'm not saying he's not good. He was, he was a solid player in Denver. It was always kind of overshadowed because of a really good defensive line. But he had 19 and a half sacks last year, only 33 and a half total on his career. So that means he only had 14 over his first five seasons with the Broncos. Now those are still good numbers, but you could just be afraid that this is just like a one hit wonder. And then he just goes off into the darkness and he was going to get paid no matter what as an, as an outside pass rusher, these guys are going to make bank. So you just franchise tag him and say, Hey, do it again. And we'll lock you up or you'll go out. And you'll get even more money because another team's going to see the same thing and say, oh, you've performed really well for the past two years. We're going to give you a big contract. So I think this is a smart move by the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are a playoff team this year. Watch out. Yeah. You can jump in, Ryan. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So my main thing with Shaquille Barrett is that I like what Dom said because it's kind of like what the Chiefs could have done because D Ford ended up getting paid after one great year. but then. He goes and gets a deal with the 49ers, and he has injury issues and, st- and doesn't play to the same caliber he was the year before. So I think it was actually really smart by the Buccaneers to wait and see if that was kind of a fluke or one-hit wonder for Shaquille Barrett. I think it was just him coming out of the shadows a little bit because, like Dom said, he was in the mix of a terrific defense in Denver, and I just think that he needed a change of scenery to really break out, and I think he's still going to have – a great season. He might not get 19 and a half sacks again this year, but I could easily see him getting 12 to 15. 
Yeah, it's one of those scenarios where it's kind of – I mean, it's like any of these guys that are getting these franchise tag situations where you're, you're risking the chance of them having another great season and then having to compete with the rest of the league to make sure you get them under contract again. But I, I don't know because it's interesting with him because he was a guy in Denver that I feel like he was good in little spurts because they would only put him in when guys like Vaughn Miller and DeMarcus Ware back in the day – were tired and needed to come out on a certain down and he would come in there and fill in that role rather nicely. He always kind of stood out to me on the defense. So I was always a little bit bummed that his role wasn't bigger. Obviously it's tough to compete with guys like Von Miller on the edge and opposite of him, especially once they got guys like Chubb to replace that other side of the edge. But I think that he's a guy that is very talented. And like you said, a change of scenery was huge for him. He was the guy when it came to that defense on Tampa Bay. And I think he could put up some other really good numbers. I don't think he's a one-hit wonder. I think it just really played into his skill set for a new team. And I think that although he won't put up 19 and a half sacks again, because I, although I think he's a great player, I don't see him doing that again. That's a large task to ask for out of anyone, uh, Shaq Barrett included. So I think that it wasn't a bad decision to kind of see how this year plays out. There's a lot of uncertainty in the league that goes beyond contracts. So I think it was on the wiser side to let him prove himself one more time and then go from there. So you can really establish what kind of player he is. So you can get a better estimate on the contract he's worth. He's betting on himself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's a smart move by both sides. I, I think he's going to have a terrific year. I don't think he's a one hit wonder, but there's always those worries. Now, one more defensive player that we're going to get into before we get into Dak Prescott is Matthew Judon from Baltimore. There weren't really any discussions at all ever since they put the tag on him. There wasn't any negotiations really on a long-term deal. Could this be his last year in Baltimore? I mean, it's likely, you know, nine and a half sacks last year on a pretty good team in Baltimore. He forced four fumbles, which is pretty significant because when you get to the back and you're going to sack him, like you just got that clean shot on him, go for that ball. So he's a smart player. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys where you know, you say, hey, do it again and then we'll pay you or someone else will, but we'll give you a good amount for one year. I think it's another good franchise tag here. Yeah, I think it's fine because, I mean, he's a guy that played very well last year. But I think that they have such a talented defense in Baltimore. I mean, you look at that D-line and it's nasty. I mean, getting Calais Campbell to add to what was already one of the better D-lines in the league is nasty to have him in the interior for that pass rush. So I think that based on the restrictions that they're going to face with other contracts that they need to address, I could see them maybe not being able to meet the dollar amount that he's looking for. But ultimately, I think it's on the smart side that they didn't rush some big extension. I think that it's always smarter in this scenario for a player like himself to kind of just let this next year play it out and just see how everyone on the defense plays as a whole. So you really know who deserves what. Um, so I, I think that Baltimore made the right decision ultimately. Yeah, I agree. Especially because they traded for Calais Campbell and gave him another two year extension. I think it's smart to let Judon play another year, see if he's worth the money. And if they don't think he is, he'll go somewhere else. I find it funny how he tweeted at Tyran Matthew. House of real estate in KC. You know, the Chiefs don't have the money for him right now, but I'd take him in a heartbeat. He definitely helped the linebacker core. But, no, he, he was a beast last year, especially his forced fumbles, having four. That's a significant amount, and he was a big piece of that defense. You know, Ryan, you find a way to always make things like <laughs> the team, and I, and I applaud you for that. 
It is kind of incredible. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just telling you what I saw, you know? I don't think <laughs> yeah, it's but important. It, is that important to the people that are listening to our wonderful podcast? Considering <laughs> that I, I don't know. Chiefs fans? Yes. <laughs> John, John Stern is not a Chiefs fan. <laughs> I'm talking about the people, my friends who listen to it. They are Chiefs fans, and they love it. So there you go. Awesome. Glad they're happy. I know you're not because you're a Broncos fan. It is what it is. <laughs> okay, moving on to our last player. It is big money Dak Prescott. I don't even know what else to say to introduce the whole situation. Whoever wants to just open this up on the disaster of a situation it is, go right ahead. Sure. Yeah, I'll jump in for Dak. Uh, he's a guy that – they really hadn't been making too much progress with him as far as contract hopes. He, it seemed like they were always off by so much money on a per year basis. Like he was wanting Mahomes kind of money and the team was just like, sorry, dude, you're great, but you're not Mahomes. You're one of the better quarterbacks in this league. You put up incredible numbers offensively last year, but that doesn't mean we're going to pay you that kind of money, which I think is correct for uh, the Cowboys because I think that you kind of have to just play it out a little bit like a lot of these guys because I think that rushing a contract's never really the best of ideas. And I feel like with Dak, although he's worth quite a bit, the quarterback market continues to rise. And that Mahomes contract, although, like I said, no one's on his level, Dak included, it's only going to incentivize these other big quarterbacks that are getting out of the rookie contracts to want similar money. And they're going to try and use that as leverage, Dak especially. So I think that it's a situation where I didn't expect a deal. I would have been shocked had they made one happen. It came as no surprise or it wouldn't have come the same surprise as Mahomes. That seemed like it was inevitable, but Dak on the other hand, not so much. So uh, I think it was the right move by the Cowboys. I actually would disagree. I think that it was probably a bad thing for the Cowboys to not extend Dak. I mean, Dak, Dak's numbers last year were historically good. Like he was so good last year and he was part of their, number one offense in the league, they still went 8-8 eight and because eight they're the Cowboys and they suck. But with Mahomes', ex- with Mahomes extension, it uh, only just increases the money that he's going to get with another good year. So you might as well lock him up. Like, he's already proven multiple times that, A, he's a winner, and, two, he's a really good quarterback. So I, I thought Jerry Jones tried to outplay himself. He did. He's not doing a great job out there. And you got to – I mean, like, we all hope this hurts the Cowboys, but, like, you, you just kind of – you just kind of, like, hate to see that, like, there was something so obvious in front of them to pay a really good quarterback. And they said, nah, we don't think you're that good. Ha. Huh. They don't get that big Dak energy. With Dak, I saw that they were really close to a deal where it was ranging from 33 to $35 million a year with 100 of it guaranteed. Right, that's reasonable. Which that no, I think that, that I think reasonable. that's I think that's a very good contract for him. I had just heard so many rumors that he wanted much more than that. So, for Dak, I agree with Dom actually that the Cowboys are actually shooting themselves in the foot because we know the market's just going to keep going up and up and up. They should have locked him up this year. I think that that type of deal would have fit him really well because Dak has proved he is a really good quarterback and. Whoever says that Jimmy G is better than him is just wrong. Incorrect. Uh, you, know, you, you can you could be wrong and also be a 49ers fan. Like there's 
some oh, people like that. People who say that are not 49ers. Yeah, no, I actually know people who say that, and it makes me cringe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dak's a really good um, Yeah. So, I think the Cowboys are just shooting themselves in the foot by waiting to give him a deal because his price is only going to go up. So, if I were Jerry Jones, I would have signed him and locked him up. Instead, he's probably going to have to pay him 40 mil after this upcoming season if he has another good year. So, it's basically just a wait-and-see type of thing. Right now, now, we're going to move on to the Patriots' newest acquisition from a couple weeks ago when they signed Cam Newton. I'm actually going to start this off because I kind of have a bold take. There's a chance Cam Newton is not the, the week one starter for the Patriots this year. Do any of you th- agree with me that that's a possibility? I think it's possible. I, I don't personally see that ending up happening, but I do think that it wouldn't be crazy to throw out there um, because I'm a believer that Bill Belichick is going to work his magic and obviously losing a guy like Tom Brady hurts, but I think that they have the pieces still. They have the coaching in place to be able to kind of figure out how to win that division still. So I was a believer that whether it's Stidham or whether it's Hoyer, they're going to be fine ultimately. And I still saw them winning the division with the Bills being right behind them in a very tight race. But I think having said that, it kind of brings me to your point being that should Cam Newton not end up starting week one, people shouldn't be scratching their heads. They shouldn't be going full panic mode, especially if you're a Patriots fan. Um, but, you know, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I guess that's all I'm really going to add to it. I don't think it's crazy to think that's a po- possibility. Right. Now, if I were a gambling man, like someone in this podcast is, <laughs> I, would, I would bet on him being the opening day one starter. But I've heard from other people that, Stidham could be starting week one, and I'm not saying that's not a possibility, but I just feel like it doesn't make much sense to go out and sign him in a situation where he's not going to be your week one starter unless he's not healthy or he's not playing well. Now, we all know that Cam, when he was MVP Cam, was unbelievable. And even in the years where he didn't win MVP, he was still a good quarterback. But what we've seen, what we saw last year and at the end of the prior season was a very average quarterback. And if that quarterback shows up, they probably need to just pump the brakes and say, hey, we, we're not going to win if you're an average quarterback. And then they'll bring in Stidham, see if he's their guy going forward. And if not, then they'll they'll figure out their situation after this year. But I think the signing of Cam Newton is great because the potential is through the roof. If he plays really well, they have a shot to win the East. I'm not going to pick them to win the East. I'll be picking the New York team, the Bills. Uh, to win the East. Okay, so Jets, Jets playing Jersey. J E T S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Okay, so let me just tell you some things that may lead to Stidham actually taking week one starting. Okay, first thing, it seems like the Patriots have a ton of confidence in him. So if they have a ton of confidence in him, Bill Belichick is a perfect guy to work his magic and just make Stidham a terrific quarterback. It won't shock me. But there's also some doubt with Cam Newton because over the past five games that he's actually played in, he's thrown for two touchdowns and seven interceptions with just over 66 pass rating. That's really bad. So there's some doubts there. And over that stretch also, the Panthers did not win a game. Right, so yeah. There's worries there. He's also, ever since his MVP season – 
from 2016 to 2019, he posted a career passer rating of 82.6. That ranks 27th of 28 quarterbacks with at least 1,000 passing attempts over that span. Who is the one quarterback who's worse? Mark Sanchez. No, I'll give you a hint. Dom, he was on the Rams last year. Oh, I was going to say Bortles. 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 I was the thinking, of the year. Blake <laughs> of the year. I was thinking, but I should I just, I should have just said it. Yes. Because why not? But yeah. that's what was coming across my mind immediately. I don't know why. Well, I guess yeah, I, I know why. Yeah, another <laughs> thing, Cam, is that he's older. His effectiveness as a runner is not there anymore. It's gone down. And also, he's just not good when he's under pressure either. And there's a lot of question marks with Cam Newton. If Since I do have the tendency to do a little bit of sports gambling, even though this show does not promote that. Right, yes. I put my money on Cam Newton starting, but imagine the odds and the money that I could win. If I bet on Jared Stidham, this is can't... why you suck at gambling. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the I'm, way you I'm, said I'm, that, I'm talking about the what ifs, but I'm not going to bet on Stidham starting. That such I think a it's degenerate gonna... statement. <laughs> uh, two notes. Two notes. So if Jared Stidham from the 2018 Music City Bowl, where Auburn trounced Purdue 63 to 14, and Jared Stidham went 15 of 21 for 373 yards and five touchdowns, shows up in Patriots camp, Patriots will be good. Now, Ryan, what were those numbers in Cam Newton's last eight games, I think you said? What were those numbers? His last five games, two touchdowns, seven interceptions, 66.7 passer rating with the Panthers going 0-5. Those sound like your intramural passing numbers. Oh, you fell right for that (laughs) trap. That was – Whoa. 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 Damn, he reeled you in. Came in hot. Came in hot. I'm more four touchdowns and eight interceptions, but I see the comparison. It's so, like you willing to admit it. That's fine. I will <laughs> take oh, it. You know, I had my struggles, you know. <laughs> it was not good. The, the uh, What was our team name again? The Banded Brothers were not very good. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. I we was were the a leading, very poor franchise. I was the leading receiver, and I was the center. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> you would just run like two feet. And, and no one else realized on our team, hey, that's how you get open in this league. It's the only way. Can't air it out. <laughs> All okay. right, let's move on. Okay, now moving on, let's talk about Washington TBD. They have changed their name from the Redskins. They are no longer the Redskins. I just want to have everyone take a guess. What is their next team name? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't really know if I have a prediction – but one thing that I can, like, uh, give my opinion on on this topic is I've seen, like, rumors, and, again, these don't really hold any weight. I don't know if any of these are legit, but I had seen rumors that they're considering the Lakers, uh, the Blues, the Warriors. I'm like, guys, be creative. You don't have to copy a team from another league. It's not that hard. But I, I, I don't know. That, that's really all I have to put for this because I just thought it was funny because, obviously, there's a lot of team names taken in the world of sports, but – you know, I feel like if they try hard enough, they can figure out something unique or something that makes sense for them geographically. Uh, they would, you know, have a nice ring to it. But I just thought those were kind of funny. Uh, the Generals was a team name that I saw being thrown out that I like. You know, goes in with the Washington, uh, the Washington theme. I also like the Red Tails, which were a uh, for some sort of like army fleet. I, I could see either of those two 
my prediction was going to be the Generals. I just feel like that blends and fits best for them. I did see a funny graphic that we're not going to talk about, but I do think it's going to be the Generals. I think it's that's an attack fit for them. I'm not going to attack Dom this episode again. I promise. But sticking with the Washington NFL team, away from the name change that is coming eventually, the allegations that came out, I think, earlier this week where 15 women said that they were sexually assaulted and harassed by people in owner Dan Snyder's inner circle. What are your guys' thoughts on this, on these allegations? And do you think that this could lead to Snyder being removed as the owner? Well, I don't think it'd be fair for me to really speak too in depth because I don't have all the facts straight. I don't have the answers to any of this. I would just say that there's a lot of negative things surrounding the team right now. And there's just a lot of PR nightmares for them. I think that they're in a really bad spot as an organization, as a franchise. And I don't know what's going to come out of this in the end when it's all said and done and things are figured out, sorted out, but it's a really bad look and you just have to feel for those employees. If that is true, what did take place there in that work environment? So it's just a lot of bad stuff going on over there in Washington right now. Yeah. And as people that want to get into sports like us three, it's really hard to hear about all this stuff because you, you just grow up thinking and hearing like, how could you ever do that? And I'm never going to do that. But then when people get into positions of power, they leverage that power against people that are below them. And it's just really sad to hear. And, you know, our generation that's going into this profession eventually, we need to do a better job and make sure stuff like this doesn't happen because some of the stuff in there is pretty disgusting. And the a story of, like, the two females, like, meeting in the bathroom every day to just cry about the stuff that was being said and done to them every single day was pretty tough to read about. Yeah, it's it's a very unfortunate situation. Like Parker said, there's just so much – going on in that organization and it there it's nothing good. I read I read that article, the one that I I assume you're referencing Dom. And it's just it's hard to read, especially how there was how I've also heard about a, there was a private island or private resort where they would take some of these women. It's it's hard to read, it's hard to hear and you hope that nothing like this happens again in that something like this will get it to stop. But as it, as what it means for Dan Snyder and his future, he might be pressured to sell the team. So I don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully Washington can get everything under control to where they're just not in the news for bad reasons. It's, it's hard to hear though. Well, two things. One, the Redskins and not being in the news for bad things just don't go together. Well, they're always in the news for bad things and not being run very well. So that's not going to happen. And either Dan Snyder will be told to sell the team or the NFL is not going to do anything about it, which is what they've done with a lot of stuff um, with, you know, how women are treated by players who are uh, employed by the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL handles this. They haven't done a very good job with issues like this in the past. Now, Roger Goodell seems like he's been – you know, a little more open to doing stuff like this and, you know, trying to get all the bad press away from the NFL over these past couple of months, you know, with how he handled COVID and how he was a little more upfront with uh, the whole Black Lives Matter movement. I think that 
they could actually try and push Dan Snyder out and try and clean up the Redskins because when I think of the Redskins or the Washington team, they should really be America's team. They're playing they're, – they're not playing in America's capital, but they, they say they are. So they really should be, you know, this, this team that America can kind of like rally behind, you know, kind of like how everyone rallied behind the Nationals when they won the World Series. But they aren't because they suck. So it's in the NFL's best interest to keep what's best for them and have a good press on them. And I think the way for that is getting Dan Snyder to sell the team because that team is worth a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing with the Redskins is that three of their minority owners that collect for 41%, they want out because of mm-hmm. Snyder. Snyder is not liked by his minority owners or anyone really in the organization. So I think the best thing for them would be for Snyder to sell the team and get someone new in and new change, fresh look, and see if they can get their reputation of being in the media, like Dom said, for bad things only, if they can switch that around. But now that we are done with the Washington team to be named later, let's go on to rookies in the NFL this year who have the potential to make the biggest difference. Whoever would like to go first, name as many players as you guys would like. Well, uh, I'll just uh, <laughs> I'll jump in. Uh, sorry for that pause. Uh, well, I was actually talking to Ryan about this. I was kind of thinking I hadn't really given it much thought for who I think is going to be a rookie that can have a huge impact right away. Obviously, every player is in a their own unique circumstance, and I think that the team that they get drafted by uh, plays a huge factor in the success that they're going to have early on. So I, I don't know. For me, I, I would probably say – that I feel like keeping it with the Washington team, I feel like one of the most surefire players is Chase Young. I, I believe that he was the best overall player in the entire draft. So I feel like that's a safe player to uh, bet on if you are a betting man, like some people are. Uh, if you're going to, he's a guy that's worth betting on because he is a guy that I think can have an immediate impact because we know that that Washington D line is nasty. That's one of the best units in the entire league interior wise. They've spent multiple drafts the last four years, just trying to beef up that uh, defensive line. So I think that a guy like that can benefit from that because you won't be able to double team him or really try and focus solely on chase young as a rookie, because there's so many other guys that are going to be lined up right next to him that offensive lines have to worry about. So I think that, that is a safe pick for a guy that has some of the best odds for rookie of the year. Yeah. One name I'm going to mention and not because he's one of the best players, but I feel like he was such a position of need that he's going to excel this year. Jalen Rigger wide receiver. Oh, sorry. Ryan edit this, please. Uh, Jalen Rigger wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles out of TCU. One of the fastest players in this draft, their wide receiving core was so bad last year. And uh, I don't know what Ryan's trying to do on Zoom here. He's trying to distract me, make me sound dumb. But I'm not going to let him phase me. He was one of the fastest players. And the Eagles wide receivers sucked last year. So I feel like he's going to be a big part of their offense this year. And he's going to be a part of the reason that the Philadelphia Eagles can keep up with the Cowboys in this division. Or possibly the TBDs. Or even the Giants. My guy is Isaiah Simmons. And I think I... And I think the biggest reason is because of his versatility. Having the ability to play safety and linebacker is huge, especially for 
a team like the Cardinals that don't have the strongest linebacker unit and also just need help on defense. So I think he's really going to make a difference on that team tremendously. Another guy that I'm really going to say is Brandon Ayuk for the 49ers, especially because they lost Emmanuel Sanders in free agency to the Saints. So I think that he has the ability to be a guy to take over for Sanders and really break out in his first season. So I think that those two can really be players that just break out and have great seasons as a rookie. Uh, I mean, obviously I have a connection to him. I feel like I'm excited for Jerry Judy as a Broncos fan. And the reason why I figured I'd jump in and throw this in there is because it was such a big position of need. They, there weren't many weapons for Drew Locke going into his second year before that was addressed in the draft. They hadn't addressed it in free agency at all. They were really banking on this draft because of how loaded it was at the receiver position. And I feel like Denver really got themselves a good one. Uh, he played in the slot primarily at Alabama. I think they could put him in there with Cortland on the outside. And I think that's where he comes into play with his value as a rookie because I expect him to have an immediate impact because he's going to force defenses to go one-on-one matchups with Cortland Sutton, something that he never got the luxury of last season. He was always being double coverage every single play, it seemed like. So I feel like it's really going to open up the playbook for Pat Shermer over there in Denver. Uh, player for me, another one would be Mecky Becton because I like the big boys. And the Jets' offensive line last year was just so bad. And it was part of the reason Le'Veon Pell didn't really have a good year. And Sam Darnold was – you know, he wasn't great, but he was serviceable. And if Becton can perform to the level that we all think he can, he was one of the offensive linemen with the highest ceilings in this draft. The Jets could be a scary team in the East Division. Okay, one last player I do want to mention. I think that CeeDee Lamb is going to be terrific. I think that he is going to have a great rookie year, especially with Dak Prescott, who is still in a contract year and wants to get paid. I think he is a great number two to have alongside Amari Cooper. So I expect a lot out of CeeDee Lamb. Now we are going to move on to the NBA and going into the bubble. I just want to know, what are your guys' opinions of this bubble that the players are basically trapped in? <laughs> Go ahead, Dom. Uh, you know, it's – I don't know what everyone was expecting. Was this – were you expecting this to go smoothly? You're taking a bunch of – professional athletes who make millions of dollars have great personalities. They, they need to go out. They need to have fun with their life. And you're saying you're going to go live in a hotel and you're going to play so you can make us money. Did you think this was going to go smoothly? No. <laughs> and do I blame the players? Absolutely not. Do I blame the NBA? Absolutely not. But the fact that the dude got like, I forget his name. Cause it Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> Rashawn Holmes. Cause he's on the Kings. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> The fact that he got – he has to quarantine for 10 days because he stepped outside the boundary to get Postmates is so dumb. Like, come on. You got to let these guys have a little bit of life because you're you're just enclosing them in a hotel and saying, you're going to play for us. And then also the fact that some of them were posting on their on their Instagrams, like all their, like, meals and stuff and are complaining about it. Was it – J.R. Smith was one of them. J.R. <laughs> Smith said he was living in a Motel 6. Like, get out yeah. of here, dude. Come on. Oh, I know. You know, how, you know how I would kill to go live in that hotel and get out of this place that I've been living in for the past five months? Oh, I would, I'd love to be in Orlando. America's yeah. <laughs> the most fantastic city. That was sarcasm. 
That last part of sarcasm. <laughs> but I don't know what you were expecting. Now, whether or not they get to the season, we'll see. But I think that the NBA, they're, they're going to get the season in. But, you know, I don't know what everyone was expecting. Were they expecting this to go well? No. Yeah, I think going off of that, one thing that I'll, I'll mention that was said by Jay Williams, which I thought – I don't always agree. First off, I'll just start off, I guess. I don't agree with some of the things he said as an analyst, but this one was spot on, and it was about players complaining about their situation in the bubble and just saying how lucky they are to be doing what they love during all these difficult times that people are in. And it really brought to light the stuff that J.R. Smith was saying because, yeah, we, we like to laugh with J.R. Smith. He's one of those funny personalities. The GOAT. Seeing, you know, all those, those videos, you know, it makes us laugh. It makes us chuckle here and there. It brightens our day. But I do think that it was a bad look, like uh, Jay Williams said, that, you know, complaining about their situation wasn't great. Um, because although these circumstances are difficult for everyone, these NBA players still have it good and – although there's a lot of hurdles that they have to overcome to make all this work. I mean, there's so much that goes into something like this. They're even creating a barber shop in the bubble right now. It literally reminded me of 2k 18, my park or my neighborhood. It literally started to feel like a video game, but you know, the whole situation is kind of crazy. Like you said, with Rashawn Holmes, uh, obviously Russell Westbrook was another NBA player that got it recently. He contracted COVID and is currently uh, waiting to get back uh, once his test results come in that he's negative of the disease. It's just, it's all very chaotic. It's not ideal for these guys, but at the end of the day, they just have to make do with what they're being given. I know the, the league is trying to make it all work. And although it doesn't look great so far, uh, once the season starts, I feel like that's going to be in the rearview mirror. And once they're focused on playing, none of this is going to even matter. Yeah, I completely agree with both of you. You just have to realize what it is I think that the whole thing with Holmes is kind of ridiculous he took like one step out and he's got a quarantine I think that's kind of stupid but you know there are sacrifices that you got to make to play and I think at the end of it the players are going to be happy that they did it because they're still able to play basketball and do what they love so I think that as much hassle as it may be right now they're going to realize that it was worth it so that they could play and ultimately go after that trophy. So, but. yeah, I just want to throw in one more thing. I thought it was hilarious that Kelly Oubre tweeted out right before Rashawn Holmes was caught outside the bubble. He said, hey, if you guys don't like the food they're serving, you can just get Postmates or pick it up outside. And, of course, like literally an hour later, he got caught up with that. So I just had to throw that out there. I, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, you didn't know Kelly Oubre is a fortune teller? I thought you knew about that. <laughs> it was literally, it was, it was great. Dude, Kelly Oubre, you mean dad? <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. Hey, Bobby That's Murphy. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to Bobby. Okay, sticking with the NBA, do we see any of these teams fighting for a chance at the playoffs to get in or not? I think so. I mean, with full court, because the whole point of the, the regular season games that they're going to have in this return to play is to decide that eighth seed so that, you know, there can't be any doubt in people's minds that, oh, this ninth seed was half a game back, but the season got, you know, or the regular season got cut short and they went straight to playoffs. So I like the format. I've liked it since day one. I think that there is a chance, and I know that the league's kind of pushing it. I know that there were rumors NBA executives 
We're hoping for a Zion Williamson versus LeBron James one versus eight seed matchup, which I have to say, why, why would they ever release something like that stating that? Because all that does is fill people's minds with doubt and get like conspiracy theorists of the NBA going crazy about the league tampering to make it happen. So I thought that was really unwise of them. Uh, But you know, to get to the point, I do think that teams like the Pelicans or teams like the Trailblazers with Dame and McCollum have a chance to get that eighth seed. But if they're going to do it, it's going to have to come at the expense of the Grizzlies with John Morant and Jaron Jackson, a very young and exciting team that I wouldn't mind seeing match up against the one seed Lakers regardless. So I think in the Western Conference, there's a better chance of it happening than there is in the East because there's so many teams that are going to be fighting for that last spot. I don't. They don't have too many games. I think that the the eight teams that are already in each division, like if the season, if the playoffs were to start now, I think they'll all be in. And I also don't think it was that dumb for the NBA to like basically say that. Like, you know, it was fairly obvious that's what they were trying to do. Like, oh, you yeah. might as well just you might as well just come clean. <laughs> <laughs> for me, if there's really any team that I could see passing the Grizzlies. It's the Trailblazers just because they finally are getting Yusuf Nurkic back. That's been a loss that they have that they haven't really been able to fill, even though they got Hassan Whiteside. So they get him back. Dame time is coming. I think he is going to come back, and he's going to lead them to at least a strong fight to get into the playoffs. They got McCollum, who hasn't really played as well this year as he did at the end of last year. So I think the Trailblazers are one of those teams. For the East? Yeah, and since you mentioned Nurkic, since you mentioned Nurkic, I just wanted to point out there are rumors uh, swirling around that Victor Oladipo is actually contemplating returning now. There were a lot of rumors that he wasn't looking to. He was just going to go for moral support for that team. But we had a podcast before all this craziness had happened when we were back at ASU, and one of those topics was who's a sleeper team. And me and Dom both said the Pacers because they're a team that's loaded with young talent, and they had given other teams in the Eastern Conference a run for their money in past playoff years. So I think that if they get Oladipo back, I I don't expect them to be the favorite or anything. Like, let's not go crazy, but I do think that that's huge. He'll be fully rested. He'll be ready to go. And that Pacers team is a really fun team to watch to me. I I think that Oladipo Oladipo will end up playing, so I think that will be good. I like the Pacers a lot. I think they're a team that's underrated. But also, there's been a team that's just shocked everyone this year, the Raptors. They've been able to have so much success with the loss of Kawhi Leonard. I think it's been incredible to see – how great of a coach Nick Nurse is to where his team is still really high up in the standings despite losing one of the NBA's biggest stars. So that's just me. Kyle Lowry for MVP. Pascal <laughs> Siakam for MVP. Yeah, that team really has done something special. I, I, yeah. If you would have asked me, I would have thought they were probably going to drop to like f- fifth or sixth seed maybe. But to, see, to see what they're doing as the two seed in the East is very impressive. Yeah, it's been – Awesome to see Kyle Lowry stepped it up. Siakam's been terrific. They still got Serge Ibaka. They've got a lot of great players. I also like Fred Van Vliet. And there's no bias, even though he went to Wichita State. I like Fred Van Vliet a lot. But our final topic. You always find ways to make things about Kansas. Every time. It's like like a game within a game. Dude, you are a Kansas fan. You're not a Wichita State fan. You are a Kansas fan. Come on. One of my friends who listens to this show knows Fred Van Vliet, so 
Good for him. <laughs> I'm trying to appeal to our fan base here, kid. <laughs> you appeal your fan base by being funny like me. And you're roasting not, you. You're not because, dude, you can't. What if you were to ask every single one of your friends, would they rather listen to me flame you for being a terrible quarterback, or you say Fred Van Vliet, he's cool? They'd rather listen to me flame you for being a terrible intramural quarterback, which I've done not once but twice this podcast. I deserve some credit for that. Dom, your head looks like a tennis ball. Okay, zip it now, dude. I my hair looks fine. I don't know what you're talking about. You should shave it again, and then we'll see. Your head no, okay, then it would look like a tennis ball, and I'm not going back. There. <laughs> <laughs> Quarantine cuts, man. Okay, our final topic for this episode, title predictions. Which two teams are making it to the finals, and who's going to win it? Dom, I want you to start because I already know who you're going to say. Well, I mean, it's obviously the Lakers. LeBron and AD, uh, biggest Lakers fan in the world right here. Just kidding, I couldn't care less. Uh, but I do think the Lakers, they do have that dynamic duo. You know, the, their little brothers that also play in Staples Center, they also do have a pretty good dynamic duo. But uh, how could you not trust LeBron when it comes to the playoffs and making a championship? And I think they'll end up beating, uh, let, let's just say, uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Let's just have some fun with that one. I, I know they uh, they were they were so close last year. Yeah, people. I feel like as much as people remember that Kawhi shot, which is one of the most iconic shots in NBA history, people forget like that was to the Sixers in a Game Seven on the road. They could have easily right. been that team. So we'll see. I, I'll take Lakers over Sixers in uh, in six. I'll do that. Okay. Uh, for me, it's it's the way I look at it, and it's not to undervalue what those Eastern Conference teams in Milwaukee and in Toronto have done, and of course, like Celtics and Sixers and other teams like that. It's not to undermine what they've accomplished this season, but I feel like the winner of that Western Conference final is going to ultimately win the championship. I just have more trust in both the Lakers and the Clippers than I do any other team in the Eastern Conference. But it's so tough because, especially as a Warriors fan, I've watched LeBron compete against them for what was four straight finals, and I've just seen him compete in huge number of finals in his time in the NBA. He's an unbelievable player. It's so hard to bet against a guy like that because we know what he brings to the table. He's net besides, you know, people that want to bring up like the Maverick series. Besides that, there's not a series where he's not on point for the entirety of the series. So as difficult as it is to bet against him, I don't know, man. I really, I've had a, like a gut feeling for the Clippers this season going into the year. As soon as they got, uh, both Kawhi and Paul George, because I remember it like it was yesterday where they had acquired, uh, you know, Paul George literally minutes after they had signed Kawhi Leonard. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be an incredible team. You look at them, they have so much depth and their defense. I feel like and that's not to discredit the Lakers because they are also a team with very good defense, especially when you click it into playoff mode for LeBron. But this is a Clippers team that I feel like just has a defense at a different level than any other team in the league. And I feel like that's going to be the difference maker come playoff time. And I expect them to win that Western Conference Finals and go on to beat the Bucks in six games. Okay, so for me, I'm going to say Lakers-Bucks as well. I think that Giannis is just – he's a freak. The Greek freak is – in a league of his own, he's nearly unstoppable. If he can ever figure out his jump shot, the whole league is just – they better be terrified. 
Like, that's just how it is. But I have the Lakers winning it in six. I think it's because they have the best duo in LeBron and AD, but they also have some really good depth pieces. When you look at it, they've got Rondo, who's a great passer, has great IQ. Danny Green, who's still, still – Isn't Rondo team. hurt? Yeah, Rondo. Well, he's yeah, going to be out to at least second round. Hurt. Yeah, he is hurt. But they also have Danny Green. Danny Green's solid. They also added Markeith Morris, who's another solid piece. They have – Smith. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Can't forget the boy. Man. Can't forget but, him. Uh, I really think the Lakers are just a team that is really complete and is poised for a playoff run and ready to win it all, especially because they also have the motivation to win it for Kobe ever since his tragic death. So I think that also has a role. Like you saw it when the Red Sox won the World Series after the Boston bombing. It's it's kind of destiny at this point that they win the NBA Finals after Kobe's after Kobe and, and the Houston Cat. Astros after Hurricane Harvey. Okay, that's true. That's true. Okay, I give you respect for that, Dom. But I just think the Lakers are in a really good position. I think they're going to win it all, and LeBron gets his fourth ring. So, and Dom, I just want to. Add to your point that you said LeBron in the playoffs. Look what he did with the Cavaliers in 18. He carried them to the playoffs. He carried and them I, to the final. He, yeah, carried, he, into can- the, he carried them in the playoffs. Sorry. He bad. carried, them, he carried to them in game one. Yeah, but I just expect uh, the Lakers, they're going to be ready. LeBron wants to be back. LeBron's going to get his fourth ring this year. That's all that I really have to say. With that, that's going to conclude this episode of the 4-3 podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back soon to talk about NFL training camps and when the NBA fully starts up. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your night.